So it was uh, March of uh, 2013, and the church just got a brand new pope, uh, Pope Francis. And uh, sort of in the last, I don't know, 40 or 50 years maybe, um, seems like whenever, when a pope is elected, um, everybody's kind of watching, uh, everybody in the media is watching. You just want to, like right away, you look, people are looking, anybody who really cares about the church, who's interested, they're kind of looking to see, okay, what's this guy gonna be like? Um, so they kind of just look for quick signs, really, like right out of the box. I mean, eventually he'll, he'll write an encyclical or make some kind of statement, and then you totally get a, a sense of it. But even before that, sometimes there's little subtle things that a pope will do, and you're like, okay, I think he's gonna be different in this aspect, or maybe he'll change here, emphasize something different. Um, when he was elected, uh, it was Lent, and uh, I guess it was about two and a half weeks after he becomes Pope, um, he did something. One of these little kind of gestures, one of these actions, which you're like, wow, okay, I think this guy, I think this guy's gonna be a little different. Um, it was Holy Thursday, and uh, on Holy Thursday night, the, the mass that the church has is kind of cool. It's, uh, it's the, the, the night when we remember when Jesus washed the feet of the apostles. So in the mass, in the middle of the mass, we kind of reenact that. Um, the priest will wash people's feet. Well, in the Vatican, it's always been the Pope and a group of 12 priests. And they'll always do it at St. Peter's Basilica. Well, this brand new Pope, he's two weeks on to the, into the job and uh, he mixes things up. He says, uh, we're not gonna do it at St. Peter's. Um, we're gonna go to a, a prison. We're gonna go to a jail. And uh, it's not gonna be just a bunch of priests. Now think about it, if it's only priests having their feet washed, that means it's only men. So he's like, we're not gonna do that. Um, it's not gonna just be priests. So they found this prison nearby and they set it up and he went in and he washed the feet of prisoners men and women, um, people who weren't even Catholic, some people who weren't even Christian, and the Pope washed their feet. So when he did that, two weeks, two weeks out, people were like, okay, this guy's kind of different. And this sort of sheds a little bit of light, probably on like what he's gonna be like. Jesus did something kind of like that too. I guess people, you know, whenever somebody's now new in a job and then they're, it's, they're, in a, they're kind of in an important role, it always happens. You're always, you're checking the person out. How are they gonna be different? So you're looking, you're looking for something that they may say or do. Um, Jesus, it's the story. Remember when, uh, this was right after he's baptized. This is sort of like his first public appearance. And he walks into this synagogue and um, walks right in, walks up to the scripture, opens it up, and he starts quoting from Isaiah. And it's the specific passage where he's talking about how things will be when the Messiah comes. And then he says, I'm who he was talking about. All the stuff that Isaiah was writing about and talking about and prophesying about, he was talking about me. It's fulfilled in me. And then he starts to 
speak the words. And this is basically what it'll be like when God, when the Messiah arrives. And he says, uh, it'll be good news. It'll be good news for people who are poor. And it'll be consolation for people who have broken hearts. And freedom for people who are enslaved. And vengeance on the wicked. Anyway, that's, that's the quote from Isaiah. And Jesus quotes it, but he makes one change, kind of interesting, very interesting. He leaves out a part. He leaves out that last piece. He talks about good news and consolation and freedom, but the vengeance piece, he skips it. Like he edits it. He's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk about vengeance. I'll talk about justice, but I'm not gonna talk about getting back at people. Isaiah says, in this time, the wicked will be punished. And he just doesn't say it. I don't think it was a mistake. I don't think he just forgot it. It wasn't like he, you know, he had it all memorized except that piece. There's no way it was a mistake. I think it was an absolutely deliberate move on Jesus' part. And the point is, God's not about vengeance. God's not about getting back at people. God's not about jealousy and comparing what one person has versus another. Anyway, I think this was sort of his moment, or one of his, the first of a bunch of moments, I guess. This was Jesus's, uh, we're gonna move Holy Thursday to a jail moment. And we're gonna wash everybody's feet, not just a select group of people. We learned a lot about the Pope in that move. We learned a lot about God in this moment with Jesus. And I think here's the point. God's sense of justice, I think a lot of times is different than ours. We're just sort of wired different, most of us. There are some exceptions, like the exceptionally great people that you know, like the really, legitimately holy people that you meet, I think they're different with this stuff because they're just closer to God. They think the way God thinks. The rest of us, well, we have good days and bad and sometimes bad more often than good. I don't know, maybe it's like an original sin, a remnant from original sin. We just get hung up on things being not fair. Let me give you like a quick little example. About a, I guess about six weeks ago, I'm over at Costco and I had to buy a couple of things and I'm, uh, I get online, the checkout line, and it was insane. It was like l literally the line went to the back of the store. Like it was ridiculous. I, I couldn't believe how long the line was. And I, a couple of things that I was buying, I kind of needed to get, because I was ready to say, forget it. I'm just, I'm not, there's no way. I'm, I'll come back whenever. But I really couldn't. I kind of had to get some of this stuff. So I wait on this crazy line. Um, there were three checkout people, checking out like a thousand people, whatever it was. And I must have waited almost like, I don't know, 25 minutes maybe on this line. Just as I'm getting up, to get ready to go to the to checkout person, four more people, registers open up. 
It must have been a change in shifts. I don't know what it was, but like it doubled. So now there's like a decent number of people working. So all of a sudden you hear them saying, next online, next online. And people are like, oh, great. And they're running up and they're, they're getting the stuff checked out. I waited a half hour. People behind me, like the line evaporated. People behind me like waited five minutes because all these people showed up to help out. I remember getting like, I was like annoyed by this. I was like, this isn't, I was sort of like it was unfair, kind of, in some stupid way. I remember like take, getting the stuff and making my way to the car and like looking at people who were like behind me. And they got out at the same time that I did. And I remember just kind of being annoyed. <laughs> like I was like, this just, this isn't really fair. I waited. These people didn't wait almost at all and they get out just as fast as I did. I don't like thinking that way. I'm not bragging about getting, having gotten aggravated. In fact, I'm kind of annoyed at myself. Like, why not just be like, man, there's people lucked out. Good timing for them, not so good for me. Like, why not just look at it that way? But I just kind of went negative with it. God sees it different. God sees our sense of what's fair in just, just different ways. I mean, look at Jesus. Look at the parables. Look at the stories Jesus told. The prodigal son. This guy's got two kids. One of them goes crazy, just acts like a total slob, spends all his father's money, acts like a fool. The other brother kind of does it right, plays by the rules, respects his father, responsible, the idiot son comes home, he's looking for just like forgiveness. The father, the father throws a party for him. And the brother who played by the rules is like, what's that all about? I never acted like a fool. You throw in this guy a party. Well, you never threw me a party. I mean, don't, don't most of us kind of think that seems a little unfair? There's another one about, another parable about a guy who gets a job and he works he's early in the morning. He gets hired by this guy. He works like eight hours. And the guy says, I'll pay you whatever. Another guy shows up at the last hour, like one hour before the end of the day, and he gets hired. So they both finish at the same time. One guy worked eight, one guy worked one, and they both get paid the same thing. I mean, if you were the guy who worked eight and you went right next to the guy who got the same thing as you for an hour, would you maybe be a little like, what's going on there? But the guy goes, hey, are you, are you envious? Because I'm just being generous? You got what I promised you. So why are you, why are you worrying about what somebody else got? Why are you comparing your situation to this guy's? You know, does it bother us when people seem to get gifts they didn't really deserve. They didn't really earn, but somehow, some way, they got, they got it, and you didn't. To kind of bother you a little bit, it bothers me. It's sort of the same feeling I had when I was in the parking lot at Costco. Like I'm annoyed that it bothers me. It shouldn't bother me, but it does. And I think it's for this reason. 
I'm just not thinking the way God thinks. I'm not seeing life the way Jesus saw life and people. I think there's something in a lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us who, is, who think like, no, it's not okay that some people just don't seem to have to pay the dues that most of the rest of us have to pay. Sometimes people seem to kind of get a free pass in life, or at least in parts of life. And we get, like, we're not okay with that. Well, God is. So then we shouldn't be comfortable with not being okay with that. We shouldn't be comfortable with acting and thinking different than the way God does. So when these stories, these, you know, God stories sometimes make us uncomfortable, I think that's a sign that, all right, I'm not really thinking the way God thinks. And there's the challenge to get to his side of the page. Look at the readings tonight. First reading in the gospel. They're both, like, they're almost identical. They're about people just thinking, you know, life is unfair. First Testament reading, uh, Old Testament reading, um, Moses. Moses is like doing all the work that God has asked him to do, and he needs help. So God says, all right, I'm going to send the Spirit onto this group of elders, these good people. There were like 70 of them. And they're kind of given this gift to go out and do it, you know, to do God's work. Two of them didn't show up. This guy, Eldad and Medad. For whatever reason, they weren't there, but they got the gift. Like they're out and about and they're really doing great stuff. They're doing the same good stuff that the 68 are now doing, but they showed up. So one of these guys goes over and says, hey, this isn't fair. Why are they, like, they should be stopped. And Moses is like, I'm not gonna stop them. They're doing good work. Why would I, why would I stop that? Like, why don't, you, why don't you worry about yourself? Then the gospel, pretty much the same thing. John comes up to Jesus. John, one of the apostles, comes up to Jesus and says, hey, we saw this guy and he's driving out demons in your name. And we told him to stop because he's not part of our crew. He's not part of our team. We don't really know him. He's an outsider. So we told him to knock it off. Jesus is like, knock it off? The guy's driving out demons. That's a good thing, John. And he's driving out demons in my name. John, why would I tell, why should we tell this guy to stop it? Just because he's not part of your club? Because we know he's getting credit and maybe you're not? He's like, no. Tell him to keep casting out demons. Moses was like, tell him to keep prophesying because we need more people to do God's work, not less. So mind your own business. Worry about yourself, John. Stop comparing your situation to everybody else. Do your job. I think we all do that sometimes. We all look at somebody like an, an L-dad and a me-dad, and we're like, why are they able to get away with stuff that I wasn't able to? Why were these people able to almost get out of the Costco before I did? And I had to wait and they didn't. So here's a question. Like, L-dad and me-dad, kind of strange names. Who's your L-dad? Who's your me-dad? Maybe people in your life where you're like, yeah, I just, I do kind of sometimes get jealous, envious, because I feel like they've got stuff that I haven't. 
You know, maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's like a really good friend. And I kind of resent them because it just seems like things go easier for them. And maybe they do in a lot of ways. And it kind of bothers me. And sometimes I have an attitude about it. Sometimes I'm giving them an attitude. They don't even know why. Because like, uh, man, he's like just an awesome athlete. You name the sport, he picks it up and he's like, he's good almost immediately. And I'm like working my butt off to try to be okay. It takes everything for me and nothing for this guy or this girl. And that just doesn't seem fair. Or maybe it's like a, a brother or a sister who just kills it at school. They just, it just comes easy. They don't even open up a book practically and they get an A's. And that's not the case for me. I gotta work. I just gotta work much harder than he or she does. And I get annoyed about that. I don't think that's fair. Maybe as we get older, it's like, man, I'm just, my health isn't as good as other people my age. In fact, there's a guy who's like 10 years older than me, but he moves like he's 20 years younger than me. I ought to be, I ought to be looking, feeling like him, but I don't. And I kind of resent that. And we just kind of do this comparison thing, this, you know, this isn't fair stuff. Maybe somebody just kind of has like a, I don't know, they're more outgoing. They kind of have a, a better personality. They're just better looking. They're just whatever. And we think it's unfair. You know, I was reading the other day, uh, Robert Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, he was murdered in 1968. He was assassinated. The guy who killed him is up for parole 53 years ago. And he admitted, he, there's no question, he killed him. And they think now he's actually going to get out. If the governor signs off on it, he's going to be paroled. So the Kennedys are very upset. Well, some of them are and some of them aren't. Some of his kids, Bobby Kennedy's kids, were, said, let's, let, let's give him another chance. But others said, no, like he shouldn't get paroled. It's not fair. Bobby Kennedy's wife, Eunice, she's still alive. She's like 93, I think. This is what she said in her statement. She's saying no parole. She said, Bobby, Bobby wanted to end the war in Vietnam and bring people together to build a better, stronger country. And he was stopped by this assassin. More than anything, he wanted to be a good father and a loving husband. And that was stopped too. Our family and our country suffered an unspeakable loss due to the inhumanity of one man. We believe in the gentleness that spared his life but in taming his act of violence, he shouldn't have the opportunity to terrorize again. So she says no. And hey, I mean, you know, it's like walking somebody's shoes. I'm not, even gonna, I'm not even gonna cast judgment on whether she's right or wrong. I mean, some of these things are not clear in life, right? You know, if, what would God do? What would Jesus do? Would Jesus say, give this guy another shot, let him out of jail? Or would he say, no, like, no, you know, he's forgiven, but he needs to pay. I think you could go back and forth. Some of these things are not so clear. Here's, I think, kind of like a, a sad fact of life. Like, 
we just don't always think the way God does. We don't always see life through like the lens that Jesus saw life. And what's the challenge? What's the reason we're here? It's like, I want to see better. I want to see the way Jesus saw. I want to think the way God thinks. Because the more I do that, the better I'm going to be, the happier I'm going to be. And I'm not going to be bitter. I'm going to celebrate the success of my my friend or my sister or my brother. I'm not going to be jealous of it. You know, somebody says to you, you know, you're talking to somebody at work and you, you somehow mention church. And they're like, wow, like you go to church? They're kind of surprised. And maybe they're thinking about it. They're like, man, like, it seems like nobody goes to church anymore. And this person I work with does, and I like him or her. Like, they're like a really good person, and they're normal, and they go to church. And maybe they ask you, like, how come you go? What do you tell them? What's your response? I mean, there's a thousand reasons why we, shouldn't go to, we should go to church. Here's maybe one to throw their way. I go to church because I know sometimes I just don't think the way God thinks. And when I come here, I'm often reminded of that. And I'm kind of given some direction to think in a different way. And I know that I don't always see people and circumstances and life the way Jesus did. And when I'm on on, on a different page than him, I'm on the wrong page. And I want to get on his page. And when I'm here, I get closer to the right page. Hey, you guys coming for religious ed starting this year. Like, why do we ask you to do this? Yeah, part of it's part of it's to you know get you ready for confirmation, of course. But what's the reason for confirmation? So that we get to know Jesus. So we come closer to him. So you guys being here tonight, here right now, and next door in an hour. Over the course of a whole year, it's like, yeah, I enter into this, I'm going to get better with it. I'm going to get better with it. Like, I'm going to, I'm just going to see things in a truer light. And that's a good thing. You know, when Pope Francis did that Holy Thursday, we're moving this to a prison move. It's like, we were like, wow, okay, that's this, that's, that's Francis. That's what this guy's going to be like. It was a clear sign. And when Jesus was in that synagogue, and he was like, no, this uh, vengeance thing, I'm taking that out. That was a clear sign. That's God. And that should be our goal. To think like God. To see like Jesus. Jesus.